So today what I'm going to talk about is something that I've actually been in my mind working on since probably the time that Stan asked me if I would be willing to take over the church. It was actually even before that, these are things that were kind of in my mind and in my heart. And um, they were something that you would think that if I've been thinking about this this long, that I should have been, like, I should just be ready for this months ago. And it should just be easy. I should just be able to stand up here, have no notes, and have anything. But reality is, is that this actually was one of the hardest weeks I've ever had of sermon prep since I've been here. And what I'm going to share with you today is, is really what's in my heart. It's uh, a vision that I feel God has given me to, to lead Hope Center for a direction that I would like to see Hope Center go in. And I'm not saying that we don't already do this. It's just really what God has put in my heart. Now, it's not really anything earth-shattering. It's not something that people are going to go, oh, wow. Like it's, it's really just stuff I've been talking about for the last several months, for the last several weeks of things that I've been preaching about. And I'm kind of just going to put that all together for us, and we'll, we'll kind of see why I've been talking about what I've been talking about. And first, I want to share some statistics with you. And these will help explain why I kind of feel the way I do. And in 1999, it's, there was a, the statistic that came out of the, the number of belonging, people belonging to churches, to synagogues, or to mosques. So really just some sort of religion where they came to meet together. That number was, was 70%. And that number is, has been a little bit higher than that over the course of time. And it's, it's really, it's always been around that number is 70%. But then in 2020, 2020, that number has dropped to 47%. The, this next one is another one that's just as staggering. It's the people that identify as having nothing to do with any religion. Like, I just, there's zero. Like, I don't want anything to do. You bring it up to go, nope, I don't do that. That religion, no, no. That number was 8% in the year 2000. That number is 21 and it's growing currently. Now this next set of statistics I'm going to give you is it's looking at uh, uh, age groups that, are, um, that have children. So the first age group, it was comparing those that are 18 to 34 that have children and then those that are greater than 65, which I'm assuming those are ones that have children but they're grown because I'd hate to be over 65 and have little kids running around. But this first one was, it's the percentage of people that took or take their children to, to church, to re some sort of religious service. Only 44% of parents ages 18 to 34 took their kid, take their kids to any kind of church service, any kind of anything. And then those greater than 65, that number was 61%. Now, this next one is kind of is really interesting to me. It intrigues me. Percentage of people, of parents that read scriptures, that told Bible stories, that, that read the Bible to their children. That number is 46% for that 18 to 34 age, and it's only 47% greater than 65. This statistic, it doesn't go into a lot of details, but that one kind of intrigues me, that that one number is actually the same. This last one is the percentage that send their children to Sunday school or send them to youth group or, or something like that, high school group. 
36% ages 18 to 34 and 65% ages greater than 65. So what is that telling us? What it kind of told me is, is that church, religion, God, it's not important anymore. People aren't, don't see the need for it. Good just the way I am. Now, I remember growing up, if I missed church on Sunday, man, you'd think the world was going to end. Like, it, was, it just wasn't an option. You had to go to church on Sunday. And then even missing, like, a midweek youth group or education class or something like that, like, you just didn't miss that either, that you, that you had to go to that. That one was probably for me because my mom was one of the teachers, so I really didn't have an option. But growing up... I, I didn't want to go to any of this stuff. Like, I didn't want to go to it. But it, at least I saw there was something in me that was go, well, it's impo- there is some importance to it. And it's something that, that I just, am g- I, I got to do, so I'm going to go. And it did expose me to the Bible, expose me to Bible stories, expose me to Jesus, expose me to God. And somehow, through a miracle, some of it took, and I, I was saved. Jesus, I finally figured it out. But I look at these stats, and, and it's telling me that going to church, it's just not a priority anymore. And for the first time ever, that number of people affiliating themselves with the church, with their religion, is below 50%. It's like really the first time in history. So the next statistic I'm going to give you, it doesn't have anything to do with age. It just is asking people how often you go to church and these numbers are are, are pretty staggering too so 24 percent of people say every week nine percent say almost every week 11 percent say about once a month and on the next one 25 percent seldom 29 percent never and three percent said no opinion so if you just look at two of those the seldom and the nevers that's 54 percent of the people which really corresponds with this number that I gave you of how the number has dropped over 20% in the last 20 to 25 years of the people that affiliate themselves with any kind of church, of belonging to a church. Now, I mean, we can look around this room. We can see how COVID has affected things. We can see how people just aren't coming to church anymore. So I think when COVID when they start giving the new stats for COVID, we're going to see that gap widen even more. It's going to be, we're not even going to believe it, how big that gap is. So I also want to share a quote and some stuff about a guy named David Burgey. He's a pastor at a Baptist church. He also, I think, writes some articles for a newspaper. But he predicts that in the next 30 years, the United States won't even have one dominant religion. And so maybe I think what he's really saying is that religion of any sort maybe won't even exist anymore. And this is the quote he says. He says, we have to start thinking about what the world looks like in terms of politics, policy, social service. How do we feed the hungry, clothe the naked when Christians are half of what it was? Who picks up the slack, especially if the government isn't going to? feeding the hungry, clothing people. That's something that we're called to do. And I really hope that he's wrong. I really, really hope that his, his thinking is wrong in this. 
But this quote is telling me that I think we're losing this battle. I think that we're going backwards in, in, in the United States. We're losing this battle of making disciples in the country we live in. That there's just fewer and fewer people being saved. Fewer and fewer people just don't even care about God. Fewer and fewer people that I don't want to hear about God and I don't have a need for God. Because look at the stats. They're certainly not coming to church. And I remember, like I said, in the past that there was a sense that there was something about the church that was important. Something about going to church that was like just it's what we do. Something about that I knew I could go to church and, and that, that there was God was there somewhere. That I could go to church, maybe I could find some answers. Maybe I could find someone that just cared about me. That that I even just I had a belief that there was a God. So is is what this man is telling us, is it telling us that this current trend, if it continues to exist, that churches aren't gonna exist. People aren't gonna know there's a God. People aren't gonna see a need for God. But is that really what the church is, these four walls? Is that just what the church is? These four walls that people come to once a week. Which brings me to the passage I want to look at today. It's Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's look at that together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now this is a passage that's been rattling around in my head for quite some time. It's been rattling, especially since I've started this journey. How did this early church look like? What did it look like compared to the church we have now? In the passage, actually right before this in Acts, the last few sentences, it says that there was 3,000 people that were saved. 3,000 people that were added to the number that day. I don't know about you, but that's 3,000 people that are going to spend eternity in heaven. That's a lot of people. Like 3,000 people, that's a lot of people. And you think percentage-wise, there had to be a whole bunch more people there. Now, I, I can't say that I've ever even heard stories of 3,000 or even seen with myself 3,000 people being saved in a day at one time at one place. Let alone, I haven't even seen people saved daily. Which makes me ask this question myself, why not? Why don't I see that? Why don't I see people being saved daily? So I'm going to ask you that question. Why not? I think we can come up with some answers. We can think of some things. But we really don't know the exact answer. We just have some ideas. Which I'm going to bring us back to the Acts passage now. And I assume that because of what we read in Acts, like I believe that to be true, I assume that whatever that church was doing, that early church was doing, that it was working, that it was working because people were being saved daily. Now, I know that we hear stories in foreign countries, and I've witnessed some things in foreign countries that there's hundreds of being saved at one time, maybe even thousands being saved at one time. Just 
some crazy things that you read or hear about. You go, wow, that's, whoa, that's crazy. Acts is full of crazy things that, are, that we read about. And what I'm really focusing on is I'm focusing on the church in the United States. I'm not focusing on, you know, just us at Hope Center. I'm talking about the church in general in the United States. But we see these things, and we may think, like, that's, that's crazy. But are they really that crazy? And shouldn't we be expecting that? Why aren't we expecting that? Because I think we should be expecting that. The same sort of thing. Because it was the same God then. It's the same God now. It's going to be the same God in the future. It was the same God for all of us. So why don't we just expect all of that now? Let's kind of break this passage down a little bit. First verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's a lot in this verse. Spend, we could probably spend the rest of the day talking about this verse if we wanted to. But this word devoted, that's a really strong word. To be devoted to something, to someone. Being devoted to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, to an activity or cause. To be devoted to Jesus, to be devoted to one another. Now, again, talking about the church in general at the United, of the United States. So is the church, all of us that say that we believe in Jesus, that we surrendered our life to Jesus, is the church, what we see, is it really devoted to Jesus where we can say that they give a large part or all their resources to Jesus, to this activity of making disciples, to this growing of the kingdom of God? Are we that devoted that all our life is devoted to Jesus? Or is it just on Sundays? Or for some people, just Christmas and Easter. The Christers. And even then, those ones that come every week, does our life, is it really devoted? Or are we just, when I would go and look through the motions like when I was young, just going because I thought I had to. Now remember those stats. Those stats are telling us that that's probably what's happening and then they just stop coming, especially in the younger generation. They're just saying, I don't, need, I don't need God. Now, I know not all of them. I know a lot of us have been around kids or we have kids and they're on fire for Jesus. But if you don't know it, I, am a, I do have a math major. So I look at stats and the majority shows that that's what's true. That there doesn't seem to be a need for Jesus. doesn't seem to be a need for God. Now, let's look at the word Fellowship. Fellowship with God and a fellowship with each other. word that's used here is this Greek word koinonia. Koinonia is this this close association with people, that it's a community. It's a community that shares responsibilities, shares responsibilities among households or individuals. Now, some of us in this room, I, I know some of us will remember the koinonia restaurant down here across from South Park. Some of you guys remember that? That's what... Just like the name, that's what it was about. It was a community. That was the heart of the koinonia. My night to work there was Thursday nights. Worked there for several years on Thursday nights. That was my night to work there. And there was people there that worked and those and others of the room that maybe worked there. Like, we've, we had a community, didn't we? We were devoted to one another. We were devoted to Jesus. 
And we could say that we probably made hundreds, if not thousands of relationships in that, that, that restaurant. That we, we shared responsibilities. That we ate together. We prayed together. We loved each other together. In fact, this week, I, I met with some guys that used to, we all lived down here and were part of the community. And we were telling stories. And he said, you know, I, I got this text out of the, from this guy. He just got out of prison. And he's trying to get his life in order, trying to get his life straight. And I go, and I started thinking, rattling my head, I'm going, man, I haven't heard that name in forever. And I go, and he had a sister, right, and another sister. And we go, yeah, that's it. And the one sister was murdered. And we go, yep, that's them. And we started to think and talk stories. It's like, we raised these kids at the coin. They were our responsibility in some ways. In fact, the started to think is like, these kids lived in my house for a little while. Like, these kids stayed with us because they didn't have anywhere to go. And I started to think, of like, that was the church. That was a community. That was a body that was devoted to one another and devoted to Jesus. Let's look at verse 43. It says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Again, at the coin, like, I could, I could give you stories where you would just be in awe of the signs and wonders of what we saw God do down there, of the things that happened, stories that, that just demonstrate that God, yeah, he still does miracles. He's still here. Now, the coin, as many of us know, like it's, and if you don't even know what I'm talking about, it's because it's blew up. But the coin, it literally blew up. And so there's a couple houses there right now that are rentals and people live in them. But just because it's gone, does that mean, and the disciples or the apostles, like they're gone, does that mean that all of these things stop? That these sign and wonders stop? That we're just not devoted to one another anymore? We're not devoted to Jesus? That these things don't still happen? No, they do still happen. We're still devoted to each other. In fact, I have a group of people that I meet with, and I think we're going on like 30 years of meeting together in community because of the koinonia and because of living down here. Now, Unfortunately, these statistics that I've mentioned earlier tells me that, yeah, there's some stuff going on, but we're losing. We're losing this battle that there's less and less people becoming devoted to Jesus. There's less and less people being identifying themselves as Christians. There's less and less people saying, being added to that number. That, that there's more people now, actually, according to the stats, that say, I'm not a Christian than those that do. I'm just going to let that, just, just let that sit there for a while. Think about that. Let's move on to verses 44 and 45. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Does that look like the church in the United States right now? Does that look like what, what we how we live, how we act, that we're together and we have everything in common, that we're meeting everybody's needs. Again, church in the United States, not Hope Center. We're not just Hope Center. Because there's lots of needs right now, isn't there? There's, there's a bunch of plethora of needs in the United States, even around the world. And I look at that and I go, you know what? It's, it's not happening the way God intended it to be. It's, it's, it's not happening. So again, I ask myself, well, why not? Why not? And I'm, I'm as guilty as the rest of the world. I'm, I'm very opinionated. You can ask my wife and she'll tell you. I'm very opinionated. I'm very stubborn. 
And that's another thing she'll confirm that I'm stubborn. And I'm also, I'm selfish. And I like to isolate myself and not be around people and just kind of keep to myself. Now, we look again around, read the headlines in the paper. Read the headlines in the news. Listen to, let's just listen to a political news station. Bring up COVID to people. Because that's really brought out a lot of ugliness in us. And we're, we're divided. We are so divided. And I'm not just talking about those that say they know Jesus and those that say they don't. I'm talking about those that say they know Jesus. There are so many opinions and that we are, we are so divided and so just even angry at each other. And I, I, you know, I get the chance now to talk to lots of pastors or lots of people that run Christian organizations. And, and the thing I keep hearing over and over and again is that there's a lot of naughty Christians out there. And I'm not talking about those that are caught having affairs or those that are caught looking at pornography or what, whatever. I'm just talking about those that talk and take a stance on something that just divides people on because they don't agree with them on the politics. They don't agree with them on what they think about COVID. And they're just naughty. They're not loving one another. They're not having everything in common. And what we should be and have in common is our devotion to one another and to Jesus, to be devoted to God. Now, something that I hope you're thinking this is that, you know what, God made me unique. So God made me unique. Like, I'm not going to, I shouldn't just be this robot that everybody thinks the same, everybody does the same, acts the same, looks the same. No, that's not what I'm saying. Because together, Together, each of us, God made all of us unique, all of us wonderful. He made us all that together we form one body. Together we form one body, this body of the church. Notice I said, we make up the church, not these four walls. Now, some of you that were here remember the series I did on the greatest in the last couple weeks when I I talked about these things. I'm just going to summarize them here for if you weren't here, but... This is what I mean by being this body. That Jesus said, follow me, and so we follow Jesus. He, he said the greatest commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. So that's how we love God, how we love Jesus. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Even when your neighbor is your enemy, you love your enemy. Jesus, we're forgiven. Jesus forgave us. We're already forgiven. We just need to accept it. We need to receive that. And we forgive others. He also said, go make disciples. So we go make disciples. Now, something I probably should have put in there is love one another. But I think loving one another is kind of part of all of this. And it's also really part of loving your neighbor as yourself. Because we, we, we love everyone. We love one another. And then I said, talked about be all things to all men. And don't cause your brother or sister to stumble. Now, these are all values that God put in my heart. These are all things that God put in my heart. Put in my heart, and I think to lead the church with, to lead Hope Center with. And these are values that Jesus gave us. These are values that it's not just to lead Hope Center, but this is to lead my life with. Values that even in the coming week, we're going to start putting some of the stuff on our website. We're going to change that some of that up. We're going to put this on the website and and values that I think are in all of us. They're like we, I think Hope Center, we, we, do, we follow a lot of these pretty well. 
but what I'm saying is we put it on our website because we're going to let the world know this is what Hope Center is about. These are the values we have. That we have this in common, that our love for Jesus and our love for one another, and that we make disciples. Now, if we can get this slide of, of this up here. So, this is our new, new, this is the new church logo. You're going to start seeing this more and more and more. And it's pretty obvious. It's a mosaic. So it's a mosaic where you take a bunch of little pieces and you put them all together and you make something beautiful. That's, that's what I see, see Hope Center as. Now, if you'll notice, I, th- I think you can probably see the H in that. But then you can also see a C in there too. So when we, we put in, and Allie and I were been working on this before she left. And so we wanted this to be that when people saw just this, it's almost like seeing the cross. Or just that they see, that's Hope Center, man. Those, those people love God, and they love people. They love one another. They're devoted to Jesus, and, and that's where they just love everyone. And that's really what this mosaic is about. Loving God and loving people, loving all people. And as I look in this, around this room, I see a mosaic of people. I see people from all walks of life. I see people from all kinds of backgrounds. I see people from all kinds of lifestyles. I see people from all kinds of lots of things devoted to loving God and loving people. But are there pieces missing? There are pieces missing. Yeah, there's pieces missing. There's a lot of pieces missing. Because there's a lot of disciples out there to be made, isn't there? There's a lot of people that that aren't disciples. And I pray that Jesus adds to our number daily. Not necessarily just in Hope Center, but adds to the number daily that those are being saved. And that Jesus is just completing our mosaic. He's completing it more and more every day. I need to move on because I'm running out of time. Now, I want to look at these last couple of verses. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is, these verses and then even the previous ones, these are ones that are, I've wrestled with a long time. God's revealing things to me. I think he's still revealing things to me, and I hope he just continues to reveal things to you. And I talk to people about these verses. I talk to other pastors or I talk to just other people. I, I ask them the question, what did that early church look at like? There's so many different opinions of that from this extreme to this extreme. So everybody has a different opinion. But what I've, I've concluded is that, you know, if we're following these words, if we're devoted to the apostles' teachings, which think about that is, they didn't have the Bible. They had the Old Testament. They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have the letters that Paul wrote, that the disciples wrote. Like, they didn't have any of that. But what they had is they had Jesus. They had Jesus, and they, they walked with Jesus. They knew Jesus. So they were devoted to Jesus, and they talked about Jesus. And they devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And how we do that at churches, like that looks different throughout all churches and even communities. But I think what we need to be is united as one body, one body so that the world sees us and the Lord adds to our number daily, those that are being saved. And there's something else in this verse that I look at. It it says they met in the temple courts. Now, the Jews were used to going to the temple because the Jews went there to to worship God and to pray. They were used to that. 
But I also see that as the temple courts, the temple courts had different courts, so to speak, different rooms, different places. There was one place where only the priests could go. There was one place where only Jews could go. There was one place where only women could go. And then there was the Gentile court where everybody could go. All the non-Jews and Jews, everybody could go there. A place maybe like this church, maybe like the four walls of a church, where everybody can come and they can come and we can worship God and we can pray. Where hopefully we're going to see miracles, we're going to see signs and wonders, and, and, and we're just going to be amazed at what God can do. And everything is pointing them to Jesus, pointing them and that many of them are being saved. Now, the other part of this verse is that I'm seeing the people are meeting daily in their homes. They're meeting other places, not, not in this church building. They're eating meals together. They're praising God. And again, they're seeing Lord, the Lord, they're seeing Jesus add daily to those being saved. Does anybody kind of start to wonder, like, church in the United States, church in America, that what's wrong with, like, church? What's wrong with maybe how the church is, is, is doing some things? Maybe explaining why the church is shrinking and that this guy brings up this thing that there may not be any dominant religion and that who's going to feed the hungry? Who's going to clothe the naked if the Christians are half of what they, they were now? And we see coming to church on Sundays, we see them coming and that's it. Like people, a lot of times, a lot of churches that they just come on Sundays, that's it. That's all they do. But we even see that, that they're not really coming as much anymore as they are either. There's, as I said, 54% of the people don't even come to church. So how are we going to make disciples if over half the population doesn't even come to the church? It's a, it's a fair question, isn't it? So what if making disciples is something different than bringing them to the church? As, as I'm defining it as these four walls. Because most people think of the church as that. They think of the church as, as four walls. And they expect the church as defined as these four walls to be the ones making disciples. So what if the church is something different than this building? What if the church is defined as all of us? That we're the church. We're the church body. And it's our jobs as individuals and as a community. This Greek word koinonia again of making disciples to to really just to take the church to the people not expecting the people to come to the church that we live our lives as this early church did that we're meeting together in our homes we can meet in coffee shops we can meet at the park we can meet in our front porch we can meet wherever we don't just come to church once a week we meet people where they're at. Because, you know what? They're not at the church. They're not here. The stats tell us that. That we need to go to the people. Meet them where they're at. Becoming all things to all people. With the hope that some of them would be saved. That the Lord's going to add to the church family daily. Those who are being saved. In high school, I, there was a, a, a three brothers, and two of them were more my age, and one was really young. And their dad was kind of a sports nut, so he watched me play sports in high school and, 
in college, and so he knew me, like knew me pretty well, and I knew who he was. And so after all of that, and I was somewhat of a mature adult, I uh, I saw him. I was in his his place of business. I had to go in there, and so he sees me and he calls me in his office, and I'm thinking he just wants to chit chat, and he had seen me at the prayer breakfast a couple days before that. And so he comes in there and, and asks me just a bunch of questions. And so that day, by the time we left, Jesus added to that number daily those that were saved. Because he was saved. So now 20 years later, I come to find out that um, the youngest son, that I really didn't know that well, but he was also added to that number that was saved. And so I, I tell you that story to just say that here's a time when I was part of the church, and I took the church to somebody. And then that is growing exponentially. And if I waited for him to come to me, to come to the church, I'd probably still be waiting because he never would have come. And I bet some of us, we have similar stories like this, where it wasn't you taking them to church, but you taking the message of Jesus as the church to them. And they heard Jesus that day, and that day, Jesus saves, saved them that day. Now, that's what God, I think, has given me a vision for Hope Center. That we become a church that goes to the people. Now, I'm going to give you this, this wordsmithed version of this that just sounds prettier. That, you know, I'm okay with just saying, hey, Hope Center, we're a church that goes to the people. But this vision of a church that by loving one another brings the hope found in Jesus to the people. That when we, we're just loving one another, that Jesus begins to reveal himself to them. That both of us probably, we see signs and wonders, we see miracles happening in their lives, in other people's lives, and that Jesus adds to the number daily, those that are saved. Now with a vision statement, usually a mission statement. Mission statement is kind of like, oh, how do we do that? How do we fulfill that vision? So I'm going to give you this wordsmith version. It's a church body united with the vision of loving a community as Jesus loves us. Because Jesus loved us, and he became a servant to us. Jesus loved us, and he died for us. That we serve our community, that we love our community, and we follow this example that Jesus gave us. The example Jesus gave us, serving us, forgiving us, dying for us, so that our relationship with God is restored and we have eternal life in heaven so that nobody will perish. That we love our community and we're expecting these signs and wonders. That we're serving our community. That we're praying for our community. We're praying for those that live in our community. We're expecting miracles to happen. And we're all united with everything in common. Seeing Jesus daily add to the number of those that are being saved. So this question probably asks, well, what does this mean for Hope Center? What's going to change? Not that much. Not that much. Other than just as God provides opportunities, that we go to the people, that, that that's what we'll do. You know, over the next months, weeks, seasons, years, that we're hopefully going to have ways to help sh give people a chance to love our community, especially those that are ones that, you know, I don't want to take a risk, don't want to really go out, that we hopefully can make it so that we can go with a group of people and, and just do simple things and love our community with that, that, that 
mission of going and making disciples and taking the church to the people. Because remember, they're not coming in the door. They're just not. A few, a few uh, before COVID, we started a prayer night. We used to do a prayer night once a month. So I'm going to bring that back. We're going to bring that back. We're probably next month or in November for sure, we're going to start that. Probably start maybe again once a month. And if we need to, maybe we'll, we'll add twice a month, three times a month, every week. I don't know. We'll just see what God, we'll just see what God brings. See what God's happens. And we're, when we do that, like, I'm fully expecting miracles to happen. I'm expecting healing. I'm expecting signs and wonders and all of us to be in awe. Now, there's another thing that I have. It's, it's called Adopt-A-Block. You're going to hear more on that later because this week there was a couple kinks that came up and I just had to press pause on that. I go, okay, we need to, I need to get these worked out because I want to make sure that we're loving our community. And what I mean by community for that is like down here on the south side. But there were just some things that could have, it's just some kinks. So I need to work those out. Now, also we have this thing, we have this stuff, but like I just said this, but we don't need to wait, do we? We can start this right now because we all live, a lot of us live in different communities. Some of us live here, some of us live on the West End, some in the Heights, some on the North Side. Like we live all over the place. So why can't we start just waiting, loving our communities now, expecting signs and wonders, praying for people, serving people, just inviting people to your home, share a meal with them, go to coffee with them, meet with one another. Do life together with people, not just on Sundays. And we all do it with the expectation of those being saved. And we also do it with people that just aren't like me. We do it with people that, well, that aren't saved, expecting Jesus again to meet those people also so that he'll add to our number. Even this adopt-a-block idea, you can start this in the community you live in. That's something that you can do. Grab a group of your friends or grab your neighbors and just maybe start with going around and picking up garbage. Just pick up garbage. Snow starts flying, bring some snow shovels. Just shovel the sidewalk that's in front of the street. I don't want us marching up to the door and pounding on their door and intruding in their lives. I just want us loving and serving them and hopefully making relationships, getting to know them, loving them, all with the hope that Jesus is going to add to their add to our numbers. Now, Something that Deb reminded me, like, that's kind of what the garden is out there. Deb's got a church going on out there at the garden. Many of you don't know that, but she does. There's a church. She's taking the church to the people. Now, something like I hope also that, like, I hope this is happening. Like, I hope we're making disciples. That we're taking the church to the people. And I also hope, like, in this Acts church that, you know, they gathered together and worshiped and praised God together and if we're doing that and this church is just completely full and we're busting at the seams, I'll stay here all day Sunday doing this. I will stay here all day. And if I have to go to Saturday, I'll go to Saturday. We'll do what we need to do so we can come together and worship and praise God. Now, Jim was at the first service, and I didn't tell him any of this. And since he leads worship, he's going to have to be part of that. And uh, he may not like me very much, but he was there in the first service, and he just said amen and raised his hand. So he's on board too. And anyway, he has to love me anyway because he has to love his neighbor as himself, so he'll be okay. <laughs> now, I got one last statistic to share you, share with you. This is a statistic of people that, that know God, that believe there's a God. 
people that believe that there's not a God. So what this asked is, do you ever doubt in your beliefs? Do you ever doubt that God is real or not real? And what was really interesting is the younger population, 18 to 29, whether you believed in God or didn't believe in God, about 50% of the time, they, they doubted. They doubted that there was a God. Now, as we got older, that they showed that if you believed in God, that you doubted less and less and less that God existed. In fact, it was like 22%. It's still, but they still doubted that God existed, even then. But what was interesting is in this population that said God does not exist, that when they were younger, it was like 50-50. But that number only went down to like 45, 46%. Still told me that not the majority, you're not 50-50, but there's still a good amount of time that they still doubt their belief that God's not real. Now, I, I say that because we may know people that say, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't believe in God. That, that's no. But just know, again, statistics say they still doubt that at times. They still doubt that God ex- doesn't exist. So they still, still have that question in their mind. So don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Keep loving them. Keep bringing the church to them. Be a church that goes to the people, loving them as Jesus loves us. And let's, let's just expect these miracles to happen. Let's expect these signs and the wonders and just expect the, Jesus daily to add to our number. Because Jesus, he's bigger than all those statistics. Like he's so much bigger than that. And I know that Jesus will prove those statistics wrong. And that we just, that our hope that we find in Jesus, that we know he'll prove them wrong. Because remember, hope, hope is something that we're certain of. Hope is something that, that we know is going to happen. It's not wishing for something to happen. It's we know it's going to happen. So let's go make disciples by being a church body united with the vision of loving a community as Jesus loves us.